and by the crackling of the flame, you know you've listened to the Black Pants Legion podcast. Hey, this is Dex of the Black Pants Legion. We are recording the Black Pants Legion podcast. We have a crackling fire tonight. I am joined by my roommates, uh, Mr. Goat. Say hi. Hi. And Mr. Mike. Say hi. Hello. So I had a few ideas, a few questions, but then we're going to go to the user questions. We found 73 questions. It's like 50 minutes of questions on the Anchor FM website. If you want to leave a question, go to Anchor FM. If you're sending written questions still because you're listening to older podcasts, I direct you to the Anchor FM website. One, it saves us a lot of time. And two, it's really cool because it's like you're you know, calling into the show. Yeah. So here's the first question. Oh, and I have to say, if you're just drinking stuff tonight, it is coffee from one of the Legionnaires. One of the Legionnaires has sent us coffee from their coffee company, and the coffee company is called Kaleidoscope, Kaleidoscope Coffee. They did not ask for a shout-out. They did not ask for anything. So I'm going to give them my actual impressions. Before you do that, is it Kaleidoscope with a K or a C? Hey. Mmm. That's nice. I was going to say it is. I, I was sitting here sipping on it, and it's a, a very nice coffee. Yeah. It's got a nice, smooth kind of feeling to it. It tastes like coffee. Um, No. Uh, Yeah. It's a little more complex than that, but. Kind of woody. Yeah. Yeah, it's this. This is good coffee. That's all I can say. I'm not a barista. I'm not a coffee taster. I just know that ninety percent of the coffee out there is pretty shit. It doesn't taste like mom's tired. No, it does not taste like diner coffee. It does not taste like the the ritzy shit that you buy in the grocery store that's still six months old, just in a different shinier bag. Yeah, it doesn't taste like. Some of that fucking hipster, third wave barista, coffee shop, whatever, local, organic, free trade, blah, blah, Trader Joe's. Lo- local coffee in, in the U.S. Yeah. Local, Where are you growing that, Chummer? <laughs> local roasted. Local, wow. Locally yeah. grown, locally roasted. No, but the problem is, is you'll buy a cup of coffee and it'll say, local roasted by artisanal, blah, 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 free trade, third wave coffee, fair trade, blah, 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 and you isn't, drink it. Isn't roasting coffee an industrial process, not an artisanal one? Yeah, and and here's the thing. You'll drink it, and you go, hmm, that tastes like burned grass. <laughs> I don't care how many stamps it has on it. I don't care what name's on the label. It has to taste good. And with that, I'd say if you're going to make coffee and you want to try something new, I'd say, let's hurry up and go to the moon so we can have that fucking moon coffee. There you go. I'd but, love to have some moon coffee. But no, I, I put coffee in like a, a a few big bands, you know, so there's like your shit tier coffee. Instant coffee. This is caffeine. <laughs> we, he, he text told me off when I brought some back from my- Yeah, uh, throw it away. Old, I throw did. It away. I threw it away. Yeah. Inst- instant coffee is not coffee. It is, I need caffeine. Yeah. And it's more effective to put it under your lip is dip well i've i mean I, that's what i did <laughs> yeah that's since that's, i was like 12 that's what you do it's, it's basically like i need caffeine and i'm willing to face consequences for it that is that tier of coffee <laughs> what i didn't know is apparently if it's all clumped and porous that means that there's potentially mold growing in is ballast all flammable yes 
Yes. Let's, let's get that out of here. No, don't don't worry about it's it. It's a very hot can. I've got I've got a gun project on the coffee table. Yeah, I just I realized have, that, got, that that well, can yeah. was super close and well, it's that not fire pressurized. It's not pressurized. Don't okay. worry. All right, cool. But no, um, I've got I've got a gun on the coffee table. I've got an infield I'm tearing apart, and believe me, did we find some wonderful artifacts of dirt in there? Um, but no, the um. That that low tier coffee is just it's I need caffeine I don't give a fuck about consequences that's that's your dystopian coffee above that the notch above that is a machine that makes coffee I've had good coffee from a machine out of once. the little pods yeah hmm. and and I've had good coffee from one of those machines it was a Dow Egbert's machine oh well, it's yeah. Dow Egbert's. yeah right right but most of the time if you go in and you put in your you know, dollar or whatever. It's and like it's Starbucks sh- coffee. No, it's soup. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah, that, soup. That's it, a pretty good description of what the coffee at my office, back yeah. when I worked in an office, yeah. was so, like. The before times. The before times. That's, it's been almost a year in How our 15-day uh, lockdown to to flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah, isn't that fun? Right. Yeah. So so then, then a, a tier above that is store brand coffee. Store brand coffee is okay. It It, it is... I need a cup yeah, of that's coffee. coffee. Yeah, well, it's that's for people who say I need my cup of coffee in the morning, but they yeah, they like don't me. appreciate coffee. Next step up is your better name brand coffee, and in I'm not going to mention names, but it's just slightly better. But then there is this giant gulf of crap where it's just like pricier and pricier and pricier and pricier and pricier. And I feel I can say this because for the last three years I bought. Every store brand name and every variation, every premium, all of them, and I've tried them all, and they all taste the same. They just taste like shit. So then there are the actual good coffee, like Dow Egbert's, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I will drink. Dow Egbert's is probably hands down my favorite coffee. You can say whatever you like, but I, I buy in the Dutch Dow Egbert's. There's a lot of other coffee out there, but my, I'm very picky on like the coffee house coffees because everyone's like we roast it here and blah 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 and i'm like well do you know what you're doing well we roast it here or my favorite response and nowadays is is like you know the black rifle coffee company i got some black rifle coffee yeah, it's veteran owned veteran operated yeah and i'm like hey guys uh quality control issue um, veteran owned veteran operated made in like, the usa and i'm like yeah yeah that's great and i know you've got all those commercials of you shooting guns and like we support the second amendment that, that's great so do i we have a th- two, three eyes and a percentage symbol on our product well that's neat but that's not really yours but it, the the thing is is i got a coffee and it was like three different kinds of coffee in one bag like you could tell that they had just been like, eh, whatever, and just swept it all into a bag. No more questions. <laughs> but yeah, but it was like, is your product a quality product, veteran owned and operated? And you're like, that's why we did the Lock and Kluger commercial. Yeah. That, that was my response uh, that I got back from them. But fuck them. I, I mean, <laughs> no, the thing is, is I'm sure they do good work with their money. They do support yeah. veterans and hire them. I think that's really great. I mean, I make your coffee better. Yeah, that's all I care about. Yeah, it, it's like, okay, you're veteran owned and operated. That's great. You're supporting well, people who definitely need the help. Well, the Black Pants Legion. Now make your coffee better. You have yeah, <laughs> the Black no Pants, excuses. Well, the Black Pants Legion last month raised like 40 grand for various charitable causes to include one wounded warriors. So I think we can say, hey, I love that you're supporting a cause. But if I made crap, you know, yeah. people can still complain about the crap. 
it's, yeah. it's well, when, when, and it was an expensive bag of fucking coffee. Well, that's the thing is everyone's selling style and experiences over. Yeah, I was just about products. to say. I think they 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 more than likely make a lot more money on their stickers and brand than they probably do their. And and that's fine. That's, that's coffee. Coffee. fucking that's, branding. That's fine. Yeah. But like if. It when it comes to like cons- the reason I say I like Dow Egberts is one, the stuff that you get in the U.S. is like Sara Lee Foods. Buy the Dutch Dow Egberts. If it doesn't have Dutch on the bag, it's not Dutch Dow Egberts. And second, enjoy that shit. It's delicious fucking coffee. Is yes. it pricey as fuck to buy in? Yes, it is. That's why it's like a weekend coffee or a holiday coffee. It's not an everyday. But I'll say this: when you go from coffee house to coffee house. Usually, if you can get it fresh roasted, it's really good. But this stuff from Kaleidoscope is really tasty. And we got several bags of it. So I'm I'm looking forward to digging through it and seeing how it is. But they said that uh, if, if all of it went well, we could potentially, potentially get a Black Pants blend roasted. And <laughs> oh, But if I did that, um, once they had recouped their expenses from roasting it, I would have all the proceeds go to charity because I'm very anti-merch. So I, I think that would be yeah. cool. Like, hey, even though all these other coffees have all these stupid bullshit fucking stamps on them that say, fair trade, this, that, this, that, this, that, blah, 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 blah. And it's only flown in planes that run on smugness or whatever. I, I would just have a coffee that says, hey, this cup of coffee is helping somebody eat food today. <laughs> that way you can drink that coffee and as long as you're like, well, you know, it's good coffee, comma, and I'm helping. That would be nice. That would be nice, yeah. right? Because like when I go buy salad dressing, for example, I spend the extra dollar to get Newman's Own because it's a quality product and the proceeds go to feed people. And I'm like, I'm helping myself and someone else. Yeah. I'm getting a quality product and I'm helping. That makes me feel good. Consume product. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> well, you got to. Oh, are you going to make your own salad dressing? Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, you're going to some... wake up at 5 a.m. and be like, well, uh, I need to make my own bread. Oh, I don't have pants. Better make those too. Yeah. Better oh. whittle me some pants out of wood. Sounds like a Minecraft thing. Yeah, it yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, it does. No. I mean, this. I think everything we mentioned is more or less a necessity. I mean, coffee technically is a luxury, but it, it might as well. It's so woven into... It's daily life in into industrialized life. It's yeah. like the light bulb. More productivity out of the day. Mm-hmm. So here's my question for you guys. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question because a friend of mine, a new friend of mine, helped me frame my thoughts in a question. And I think that this is really cool. So those of you out there can play along. So if you're listening in the car with other people, I, I think you can play this game. But this is an interesting thing. Let's say... A benefactor gave you a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars tax free, and you had to use it to be happy. Oh man, that's hard. You had to use the proceeds of a hundred thousand dollars to be happy. What would you do? Oh, uh, pay off my debts and then give the rest to charity or people who need it. Just, just pay your debts off. Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I, I, I looked at my current debt. I only have like. I think it's like under twenty thousand dollars in debt. That's pretty good for an American. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's so I'm, I'm, you know, if I pay that off, the rest can go to people who need it or charities. I'm fine with that. Maybe, maybe build the stream computer. Yeah, maybe I should do that too. <laughs> I, I am a little bit like if I, if I have the opportunity to give, I, I want to do that. Well, of more course, than anything, but of I, I probably should do that. 
Right. Should probably not the, the stream computer. Sorry, yeah, the but, editing computer. We already have a stream computer. Well, right. But so it's it's slow, but it does the job. It's a good computer. It's a good computer. I need to get more stickers for it. I was talking to Eldonius. I'm like, I need to just hook this thing because I I haven't been to conventions all year, so it's lacking in more stickers. I understand. It makes it go faster. It does. So go. What would you do with a hundred thousand dollars? Pay for my uh, pay for schooling for close family. Um, the thing about charity is that while it's a good thing to invest to you know donate to charity, if it's not to a community or something where you're invested and you interact daily, I don't I I, I can't honestly say that I think I it would make me happy if well, I just yeah no I, if I, it's just you dump money in well the, yeah unless unless you know it's a goddamn good charity that's bulletproof like. Well, you know, I think even if it was a, a good charity that's bulletproof, if you're not experiencing what the end results are, that's fair. Uh, long term in your life, no, that's, it's not that's fair. Happiness. And I, I also am a big believer in direct charity. Helping someone directly is better than just writing a check to feel better. Yeah, well, I know it's. It, it's there's been studies um, that I found recently, which kind of yeah. blew me away. Is like a one-time ten thousand dollar cash investment would lift. The average uh, family that's in under the poverty line in the U.S. out of poverty indefinitely. Yeah, no, it's it, generational poverty is a huge problem. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where you know you grow up rural Oklahoma, you're probably your kids are probably going to grow up in rural Oklahoma, and a a one time cash investment in in something that is uh, schooling, education, or resources uh, can really turn the tide because these people aren't poor because they're lazy they they were bro- born into poverty yeah it's it's a tough hole to climb out of so if i was if i i've been you know i've been moving around all my life if i was uh you know rooted down in some community i, I would put it into that community but if i'm not uh i would probably i would like pay back my parents for the cost of um uh, for like you know their costs of schooling me and uh pay for some other close friends and family schooling costs all right i i think if i had a hundred thousand dollars to make me happy um i'd buy a machine gun and then because i've always wanted one i'd buy a flamethrower because i've always wanted one i would probably pay for my sister's wedding um just as a gift because I, I've never been good with the relationships, but she's found someone who really makes her happy and, you know, send them on a nice start to their life because she's never had much in terms of finance. Um, yeah. And then, then I would probably send my parents on a trip to Europe because they always talked about going, but they continually uh, find other things pop up. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Um, and then just pay off people's debt. I, I would love to free people from yeah, that. Yeah, like we know. could we could probably get like a 501c3 and buy medical debt and just pennies on the dollar and just wipe it out. Yep. Yeah. So here's here's my next question. What if you won $500 million in the lottery? After the lottery's done, you have $500 million. What would you do? That's the next one. Five hundred million? Uh, yeah, I I would probably uh, spend most of my life giving it away, and and not in like the Bill Gates sense where he's like, no. I'm giving it away, and it's asterisk. like, yeah, asterisks. Like now you owe me. Yeah, well, it's it's like he's like, 
I have a hundred trillion dollars. Yeah. And he's like, I gave a million to cancer. And I'm like, what's that buy? Band-aids? <laughs> um, I'd have to look up what the costs are to permanently I, reduce like the worst forms of poverty uh, in the world. I, 500 million is not going to target that no. worldwide. But nope. I could 500 million USD properly invested, I think, would out- I don't know if it would be enough to like clear out the worst of the BS and like Hosinga or one of the other major favela complexes in Rio, but that's that's yeah. the spirit of what I'd want to put it towards. It, it it would be like you know we'd start a trust for you know people who need the uh, money that you know especially in the legion that might need it or yeah. people in the community that might need it, but uh, you know essentially just money so people can you know go to college and. Yeah, pay right. off pay off like a car that's like you know they bought it used but they got a shitty APR you oh. know help them out wherever because you know the, if you take off their monthly car payment I mean that's a huge mm-hmm. huge thing that's a huge boon to their uh, daily life there you know that extra you know how whichever they're paying on their car is like oh a, yeah a big no, bonus it's, it's and, a huge drain and yeah you, you don't have to you know you don't have to give them millions of dollars like I'm not a big nope. person on like giving away cash money it's more like just helping people live a better life. Well, help help a problem because it's... And, and invested in programs that help people like... Right, uh, right, right, right. You know? Well, that's... that's, yeah. that's Education. What, that's what I would do. If I had $500 million, I'd set up a trust yeah. for the Black Pants Legion. So one, that's my legacy. That yeah. outlives me. Yeah. And I wouldn't try to say, I'm going to try to give it away before I die. Because the problem is that just says... I want to be celebrated while I'm alive. Yeah. If you create something that persists and continues to help people for generations, that's good. And so you set up a trust and you set up a trust that will continue to generate money, not just give it away. So, you know, you invested in real estate, you invested in various things. And then what you do with that money, very carefully, what you do with that money is make sure it continues to persist. And then what you do is I would help people out. Like someone says, I really want to go to college. This is my plan to go to college. I'm going to get a degree in blank. And you say, I will help you do that. Yeah. But you must help this foundation when you get your education and get on your yeah. feet. Yeah. And so you make sure people pay it back in some way. Yes. That's actually a lot more fulfilling than just a one-time investment like I was thinking. Well, where and you it, you yeah. change it instead of just you know our, uh, our wagey jobs. Yeah. Running your own business, being a force for good, not yeah, just that, for your that, own. That's, that's what I mean. Is 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 be a force for good. That's and that's all I want. Yeah. That and the other part of the trust would be a registered NFA trust for machine guns. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just well. Here's the thing. I, I know people. <laughs> Welcome can, to Texas. Uh, outdated RPG settings and machine guns emporium. Well, here's <laughs> a nonprofit organization. <laughs> well, <laughs> veteran owned and operated. <laughs> here's lock and glue. I can be the diversity quota. Oh, but, there you go. But here's here's the idea is a lot of people who go out and buy these guns or whatever and then sporterize them and fuck them up because they're dumb. What they don't realize is I like right here. I'm reaching out with my right hand. I'm touching the Springfield. It's a 1903 A3 Springfield. It was manufactured in 1940. OK, I own this for as long as I'm alive, but I am merely the custodian of this thing. This gun is not like this laptop in front of me. It's not like this house I'm sitting in. This gun, I'm the custodian of. It's history. It is history. Machine guns are that as well. 
some of these things. Like the guys out there with bougie AR-15s, they're not going to get this. But the reason you have some of these things, some of these things command higher value is because they have meaning. Like Old Smith and Wessons and Old Colts and a lot of these finer things, they have meaning. They are not disposable. They are machines, yes, and they do have wear, but by taking care of them, you're going to hand them down to the next generation so that they can enjoy them and appreciate their history. And that's what I would do. I would establish a trust. I would buy up a lot of these really good mill serps and what have you, restore them to functional order, reverse sporterizations done by bubbas and morons. Because believe me, if if you want to cry out there, go ahead and look at sporterize anything. You'll see where someone has a beautiful Mauser, My Little Pony paint. No, that's just that's trolling. Yeah, that's, that's just trolling. And that's also just trolling. But if you'll find someone who has a beautiful Mauser and they're like, yeah, I need a hunting rifle. So they take this beautiful piece of history and they chop it up so they can build a hunting rifle. And I'm like, have, have you never heard of a Winchester Model 70, a Howa, a Savage, a Remington Model 700? Like, yeah, for all the money that they spent making this oh, no. Frankenstein weapon, they no, could have bought one of those. It's, it's because they're lazy and dumb. So it's it's one of those things that was done in a generation where people were very wasteful. The sporterized Mousers were when Mousers were cheap. And so rather than buy a dedicated hunting rifle, they just ruined history. Boomers. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's FUD gun territory. So uh, for those of you <laughs> out there who own a sporterized anything or an Ackley converted blah, blah, just uh, know you can't downvote a podcast except on um, Apple. Apple. Yeah. As long as you're having fun with it, just, you know, that's that's what really matters. But know that the damage is, is already done. The, the, damage, the damage is already is, done. is already done. And you should feel a little bit of a shame. But also, don't worry, still have fun with it. Have, have fun, be safe, but just know that you've done the firearm equivalent of uh, buying a Cherry 1955 Chevy and then chopping the frame and uh, turning it into a rat rod and then driving it into a wall and spray painting it hot pink and putting spinners on it. Yeah, put you've, some NOS in there, man. You I mean, statistically, I think anyone listening to this is probably just inherited a, uh, a Bubba gun if they Right, one. and if you've inherited one, the damage can be reversed. You can. You can do it. As long as the action's good. You can rebarrel it. You can fix it. So, But yeah, I, I'm hugely against sporterized guns. It's it's one of those things of let them be themselves, please. Yeah. And if you inherited one, please restore it to, restore it to original military working order. You'll find that gunsmithing project, very basic armoring, is probably one of the finest things you can do, and you will feel hugely accomplished by it. You will. You, you will earn not only your own gratitude, but future generations' gratitude. Reverse the waste. At any rate, um, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to start taking questions. This is from the Anchor FM and uh, if you want to leave us a question, go to anchor.fm. By the by, uh, this coffee is still sitting good. It hasn't soured or anything because sometimes with coffee after it sits for a few minutes, it gets kind of weird. I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really delicious coffee. So Kaleidoscope Coffee. Uh, we also got a shitload of fucking tea uh, from CJ. We got a shitload of tea. Yeah, all you, all Tex said was, I like tea. And yeah. then he got tea from everyone. And, and now we're going to start saying, the great I like ammunition. Thing. 
I, specifically I nine like, millimeter and forty five. I I like forty five auto yeah. uh, <laughs> and two hundred and thirty grain full metal jackets, yeah. and I like nine millimeter, one hundred and fifteen to one hundred and twenty four grain non remands. Oh yeah, and, and there's that new Mauser that doesn't have any food for it. And I I like eight millimeter Mauser. I like three hundred blackout. <laughs> three hundred three British. I like some three hundred three British. Uh, <laughs> I like twelve gauge slugs and buckshot magnum. Not to say that we don't appreciate the tea because we're going to drink the shit out of it yeah oh yeah some we good are. australian tea and british tea in there yeah we have so much tea but no we're just going to rattle off ammo because believe me no one has it uh i, I remember when uh two hundred dollars for a thousand rounds of nine mil was highway robbery i looked just now and it's a dollar a bullet and I, I just hate to say this, but the same people who went out and bought all that fucking toilet paper are the same people who went out yeah. and just stockpiled this ammo. It's not gun guys doing this. No. Prep And remember, people, prepping isn't having a bunch of a million guns and bullets in your basement. It's knowing who your neighbors are and their trades and that being able to share and work together with them if they're trustworthy. If not, you know, get the guns and bullets and get the fuck out of town. Yeah. Follow the train tracks. They'll get you out pretty quick. At least you'll find a train. At some point you will, yes. But if, you, if you're if you like, I need to get out of the city on foot and you don't have a GPS, just follow train tracks. Oh, by the way, Mad Max took place in 2021. Anyways, next, let's go to... Uh, this one is from 12876-5319-44100-2-6246-D-1. Yeah, get to the question. Yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike. Just hit the mic. .m4a. All right. Thank you very much, uh, whoever this is. Uh, this thing on? I hope it is. Uh, I'm not a Mac Tech. I'm a dang King Crab driver. Uh, I was just wondering for Professor Tex, uh, do you happen to know of any uh, famous KC drivers, King Crabs, or anything of the like and whatnot? Uh, thank you for your answer and listening to me. Also, uh, real talk? Thank you for all your videos. You guys give me the strength to actually continue on with my life in this time of fuckuckery. Yeah, it is fuckuckery. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Please continue everything you're doing. Will do. Sincerely, future trucker. Wow. All right. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, he got um, me. Got, he had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, Hopper Morrison of Morrison's Extractors. Uh he he drove a King Crab. Uh Linda McDonald of the Arcturian Guards drove a King Crab. And uh Carrie Marita uh drove a King Crab. And th- those are three BattleTech people. You you'll have to look them up. Uh what about anyone from Cranston Snored? No, nah, he couldn't afford. He probably couldn't afford one. Uh, next question. <laughs> next question. Spent all that money on a Luger or something. <laughs> probably fucking made it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Just go. Hey, Tex, big fan here. Um, love your Tex sucks BattleTech. I love everything you do for the BattleTech universe. Loved your homeworld playthrough. My question is: um, out of all of the BattleTech universe things, massive amount that there is. Specifically, the Biotech novels, specifically from the classical era, so the 64 books from the uh, Third Succession War through the Fourth Succession, the Fedcom Civil War, Clan Invasion, and the uh, Operation Bulldog, Operation Serpent. What's your favorite book? Or what's your favorite trilogy or series of books? Is it Twilight of the Clans? Is it, you know, Killing Fields? Is it, you know, what is it? What's your favorite Biotech novels? Basically, my question. Have a good one. 
I'm I'm going to be disappointing and say I don't have one. Um, I just like reading them. It's it's one of those things where I feel that they're all different little pieces of the universe. It's it's not like 40k where there's like really good solid books like Eisenhorn and Raffner, and then there's the 800,000 space marine yeah well there's the 800,000 space marine novels where it's like and then he descended from the heavens and clove him in twain with his sword and said come your caller brother yeah just it's it i like all the battle tech novels they're all really decent i mean they they really are Blaine Pardo's latest stuff is really dynamite, so just just gonna lay that out there. But no, I I like them all. They're they're all pretty decent, except for Far Country. Next, all right. The next one is uh, this person. Uh, again, if you guys are wondering why I'm not saying names, uh, it's because none of these have names on them now. Uh, that's not Texas' fault. That's just for some reason decided to give us numbers, and that's fine because they get to introduce themselves. Yeah, so if you uh, post any questions after this, just... Uh, yeah, just say, hey, it's uh, blah, 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 and I have a question about blah, 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 and then, you know. Yeah. All right, here we go. Hey, Texan team. Uh, Jim here. Uh, just want to say, you know, big fan. Love everything you guys put out there for us to consume. And uh, yes, indeed, I am one of the fuckos that gives you money. Um, just because, you know, the way I see it, I'm pretty sure I threw you like five bucks or some shit, which cool. is like, have a good beer on me. But, um question man is like can you describe like how the clan hpg network like works and like who the fuck runs it and it's kind of like a two-part because the second part of it and you know feel free to not go into it um because it deals with the jihad era is like if it's separate from comstar how the hell did the jihad have anything like have how how did it have any effect on the clan's hpg network so all right, uh, I got only a minute and five seconds for, and thanks, guys, and talk to you again soon. Cool. Um, all right, so when the SLDF went on the Exodus, they brought all their own HBG shit. Yeah. Um, they, they had, they had own, technicians. Yeah, the they time. had technicians, and that just became part of the technician cast. Um, as far as the Jihad, I'm really not up to date on everything in the Jihad because rocks fall, everyone dies, super secret cyborg army comes out of nowhere and fights everyone for 14 years until reasons is not interesting to me. Um, I think it's lazy writing. So yeah, uh, I have, I have no input on that part. All right. Next one is from this guy. Greetings, everyone. This is Jason from Northeast Ohio, and I have a question for Tex. We know that he really doesn't like the Jihad era of Battletech. Uh, I was wondering if there were any battle mech designs from that era that he does like. No. Jason from Northeast Ohio. Nope. Cleveland. Yeah. No. I'm sorry, but it's it's just the Jihad and, and, and all of that crap was designed to sell clicky tech. And no. Oh, come on. You, you're saying you don't like the pupper suit? Nope. <laughs> it's no. a. I call. I, so like the Lyran Commonwealth have a. They have a suit. It's like a. What, what is it? Like an elemental, but it's it's a quad elemental. So you. No, it's it's dumb. It's it's. Yeah. So it's, you're like, oh, let uh, me go get my quad a, elemental. Like what you're gonna run like a Power Rangers Megazord? No, it's like a suit of armor you wear, like an elemental wears. Yeah, but it's it's like you're on all fours. fours. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like what the uh, fuck? No, <laughs> so so yeah, and and here's the problem. This isn't the problem with the Jihad. I keep laughing every time I see it. I'm like, so are you part of the doggo unit? Like, what's the? Is that what? what I, that's what I would call. Clan, do- clan ch- heckin' chonkers. <laughs> yeah, but 
Well, no, the problem with the jihad is like, okay, you, you get in, you, you have 3025, which is like basic era battle tech, right? And you go, here are these designs that have been produced after four succession wars and an exodus and, you know, the Ameris Civil War. So you, you have a lot of technology degradation. So the stuff that's out there is like old AKs. It's, it's just, it's beat up. It's continually repaired. The stuff that's being made is kind of basic. And you're starting to see people wonder about the old tech and old eras, and they're trying to rediscover that lost technology. And the people who do are like gods because they, they have these things that just allow you to wreck house. Then you get up to the clan invasion. Suddenly you have all the old tech and some of the rediscovered older tech fighting against shit that's continued to evolve. It's night and day. So some of that stuff starts to trickle into the inner sphere and you start to see some designs change, some thoughts change. It's this renaissance of technology. Then you have the Fedcom Civil War. This renaissance of technology is now just jumping light years ahead. You're starting to see these systems intermix and all this other stuff. So there's this wonderful exchange of technologies, this cultural exchange, this technological exchange, all of these things are happening and it's it's very vibrant and changing. Then you have the jihad where it's just rocks fall, everyone dies. And then the technology somehow jumps forward and back at the same time and you end up with all this just goofy crap like, let's make dog armor, you know, and yeah. it's, it's like, why? Why? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. It's him. Fisted, and it was designed to sell clicky tech shit. It's whiz kids. No, no, pass. All right. The next question is from this person. Hello, Texan, the Black Pants Legion, and anybody else who happens to be around the table. I am, if the thing doesn't say it, Braden Norad. I'm a somewhat longtime fan, somewhat, you know, nerd of Battletech and other forms of uh, science fiction, but. I have a couple questions pertaining to Battletech. The first of the said question, how do you lose the tech to build an LBX? And for those out there who don't know that, aka big giant shotgun. Um, yeah, so that's my question for today since this thing can only record up to a minute. All right, so LBX shotgun is is one of those things where, in my head, Kenan, I would say that it basically became cost effective to make simpler, dumber cartridges and that fed through any uh, auto cannon. So it just became like, why is ninety percent of the forty-five ammo out there two hundred and thirty grain full metal jacket hardball? Well, because that's what the military chose to make, and so everyone makes that. Well, why is most of the AK ammo out there 122 grain full metal jacket? You know, uh, why, why isn't a lot of it hollow points? Why isn't a lot of it soft point? Well, that's what the Soviet military decided to make. And that's what all the plants are set up for. So I think that common denominators kind of make sense. But yeah, how do you lose the technology? I don't think it's losing technology. I think it's just an assumption of best practice that everyone inherits. Just fell out of favor. Yeah. All right, next question is from this person. Hello, BPL Podcast. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, I have a question for Mike, the editor, and it's about Star oh. Trek. <coughs> mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm in the middle of a joint. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. I'm going to get high as fucking call these podcast guys. No, <laughs> this, Star this, Trek. This is great. All right, here you we go, go, dude. Putting Star Trek up on the on uh, the podcast or is it just kind of staying on YouTube? Oh uh, no, we're gonna put a uh, podcast up on uh, Star sorry Star Trek up on the part podcast. Yeah, it's already um, been edited. Uh, yep. So by the time you listen to this, you probably already have heard a few episodes. Because well, what what we're yeah, gonna this do? This will be like mid January by the time they hear this. Yeah. Well, once we're done with all of these, yeah. once we're done with all of these, after this one airs, the next one after this one airs, the next one is going to be Star Trek. And what I'm gonna do, I've decided is I'm going to put out Star Trek, I think, three times a week. So okay. it'll be like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So for like a month, it'll just be Star Trek, and then it'll just go back to the normal podcast. So that way, when people are listening on the podcast, it's not disjointed Star Trek, and then this, Star Trek, and then this, Star Trek, yeah. and then this. If they just want to say, hey, I found this Star Trek thing, it's just straight line, boom. And in Star the Trek. middle of all that, we'll record your question. So you can keep sending stuff. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll still be recording podcasts. It's just in terms of airing versus recording, it's going to be a little different. Yeah. That's why when you guys hear this, you're like, oh man, what era are they in? We're currently, this is uh, still December. It's the yeah. end of December. So here's the next question. Hello, Black Pants Legion podcast. My name is Tim and I have a couple of questions for you. Question one, did Clan Jade Falcon use a signature battle mech during the invasion of the Inner Sphere like the Kodiak was for Clan Ghost Bear? And if so, what was it? The second question, what is the mailing address for sending you things? Keep up the good work. I enjoy listening to you guys ramble on very much. Bye. All right. So um, first of all, Clan Jade Falcon's mechs, there's a bunch of them that are like their, their signature mechs. You know, you've got like, um, they like the Thor, they like the Loki, they like the Cougar, um, they like the Gear Falcon, they love the Jade Hawk, the Jupiter, um, the Shadow Cat. I mean, they, the Turquina, especially, the Night Geyer. Uh, they, they had a lot of different, um, iconic mechs, but you have to understand that, you know, the Kodiak is, is definitely, definitely, a clan ghost bear mech but it's one of those things where they weren't everywhere because it's an assault mech you can't be like all right it's time to send out the recon team and then like bring out these things that are walking buildings it's <laughs> it's it's iconic on the front line sure but it's it's not everywhere but yeah they, they had a lot of different ones um they're the mailing address if if you want to mail me anything um i w know that one i really don't like stuff for the most part yeah I, and I don't, for yeah. here the i think the best process is send him an email yeah at the black pants legion yeah, at gmail.com the, the black pants legion at gmail.com that is correct send him a message uh tell him what you'd like to send and then he'll give you the address there we're not gonna post up addresses on uh live air or anything but if you if he's if it's something that we we can accept we can definitely give you an address there but i don't want to put that out because it's it's literally a, it's literally somebody's address, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to dox that person, but yeah, uh, yeah. Send him a message on theblackpantslegion.com or at gmail.com, and he can uh, tell him what you want to send, and uh, he'll give you that info. Indeed. All right. Here is the next question, 
Hey, Tex and the rest of the BPL, I have a Star Trek question for you. Is there any Star Trek character that, when you first watched it, you didn't identify with, but then coming back later in life, you did? I'm currently re-watching Deep Space Nine, and when I first watched it, I was single, no kids. Now I'm watching it in my 30s, and I have wife and children, so I really identify with Miles O'Brien and the fact that oh. all day at work he has to be a hard ass or people are going to die and get hurt. And then he has to come home and shut that part of his life off and be a loving husband and father. And I work in corrections, so I deal with that a lot myself and how hard it is to turn that off sometimes. And so I really latched onto that. I was wondering if any of you had anything situation like that. That's 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 interesting. That's a really, that's, good, that's question. A really good question. Um I, I would say that as a kid, I always liked Scotty because yeah. he would just get frustrated. Because, I feel the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, but like as an adult, I I hate to say it, but I sympathize with Odo. Where it's just like, <laughs> uh, leave um, me alone. Yeah. Just leave Harumph. <laughs> yeah, just harumph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd probably still... Uh, I still sympathize with uh, with Scotty. I, I don't know why. I just there's just something about his work mentality of like you know just the way he does things that I I can still identify with. Oh yeah, because he he's just one of those things where like I'm working on it. What do you want? Yeah, I'm yeah. still working on it. I I can I can get it to you as soon as I can. We'll get there eventually. That's that's yeah. the cool thing. All we'll do is disappoint people if we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I guess Captain Janeway, you know, because I look at stuff, I go, there's coffee in them bushes. Fucking Janeway. No, I'm kidding. Ugh. I just, I like Kate Mulgrew, but she's that was a great just, actress. They just underutilized her. It's a great actress, but they way underutilized her. And I don't know who the fuck wrote 99% of Voyager, but they were like, hey, DS9 was fucking great. What if we made that more boring? <laughs> and, 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 and everyone else just kind of nodded and was like, yeah, let's do that. Wow. <laughs> oh man you know who we need to get as the, the as the first officer bobby beltran bob beltran <laughs> what's what's bobby beltran gonna do he's gonna play a guy with a mike tyson tattoo and he's gonna be a an indian hey, maquis guy yeah he's just like they're like hey bobby uh i know i know that we had this really cool character can you do this this is gonna be a real challenge for you can you do the acting equivalent of mayonnaise Hey, Bobby Beltran. Uh, <laughs> he just did that. Can, can, oh, for okay. seven seasons. Yeah, can can you can you uh can you act like you run a gas station <laughs> in the in in the middle of of Idaho? Could, could you could you act like that? Yeah, but as a Starfleet. Can you officer. act like a disappointed dad over the comms? That's like. <laughs> can you uh never change your tone of voice for seven seasons? See, people like to pick on the guy who played Harry Kim, but he was supposed to leave a lot earlier in the seasons. Like they were gonna I, yeah, get rid of him. I, I, Harry Kim was a red shirt they gave a story to. <laughs> it, 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 I, w I was like, when I was watching that show when it was still on the air before it went to like UPN or whatever. Yeah. When when I was watching that show, I was like. Why is that red shirt still alive? And I was like, oh, right, that's Harry. Yeah. Harry never got laid Kim. What does he play, the oboe? <laughs> <laughs> He's, Why that, are we laughing about that? But that's so weak. 
Yeah, it's it's just. I like, mean, I'm not saying playing the oboe is weak. I'm saying having a character in Star Trek and his main personality trait is he plays the oboe. Well, that's it's, a bit weak. It's it's one of those things of <laughs> go just farted in the mic. Yeah, but no, it's it's one of those things of like, how do I define Harry Kim? And I'd be like, uh, he's nervous a lot. He no one likes him. Yeah. Um, can't get a promotion because nobody notices him no one remembers him they're probably doing fucking um, he's like i want an instrument that makes me sound like a sassy duck what no i i think <laughs> i think what happened is that like they're like all right good good reviews everyone everyone's getting a raise and he's like what about me and they're like oh you exist yeah no he says what about me and they go oh shit you scared the fuck out of me i didn't even know you were standing there you're the coffee guy right <laughs> what's your name uh jimmy Johnny No, Harry. I think I think they all know. Like, oh look, Harry's gonna come ask for promotion again. No, not today, Harry. I have to do all this paperwork right now. I'm so busy. We're in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I gotta do so much paperwork. When uh, we get back yeah, to Starfleet uh, in seven years, yeah. they're gonna ask for this in Hold triplicate. Yeah, we're we're busy. <laughs> uh could you go back to sitting there and staring at the screen? Thank you so much. Yeah, the scanning station or whatever he did. I what a horrible character! Yeah, they could have. Like, <laughs> what else was that guy in? I don't know. Hold, can, I'm I'm looking that up. All right, we've done enough tangent on Star Trek. We're gonna go to the next question. Once you look, Garrett that up. Wang. Garrett Wang. Garrett Wang. All right, Garrett Wang. Okay, so we have Star Trek Voyager, 1995, 2001. Guess the next thing he was in. Uh, I'm gonna assume it's an art film. At Survival Island, where he played a guy by the name of Paul, no last name. Then he was, there was a movie called Into the West, which is a TV miniseries. Uh, and he played Chow Ping Yin. Uh, uh, wow. Then he was in a video short. Then he was in Star Trek of Gods and Men, but he didn't play Harry Kim. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, they were like, "No, we're gonna give you a different character." He probably yeah. would have appreciated that. Then, then in Star yeah. Trek Online in 2010, he got to be Ensign Harry Kim again. Yes, um, forever Ensign. And and then it's just a bunch of movies I can't recognize. Oh, uh, sorry, in American Dad in 2015, he played Chinese Man. Oh, um, again, a bunch of stuff. But yeah, yep. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Seth, Seth yeah. MacFarlane will give anybody from Star Trek a, a gig if they ask. Yeah, he'll be like, I work He's with He's a Harry. big fan. Oh, I know. I know. It, but, uh, yeah. It, they should put him on uh, the Orville. Oh, God, that would be great. Where he plays a send-up of his character. Yeah. He plays a send-up of his character that's like the guy that never gets promoted, but he gets to act out all the shit he wants to. So he's like, <laughs> he's like, you fucking monsters, it was my goddamn birthday. And he like throws the cake at the wall. <laughs> and and Seth MacFarlane here, like, who was that? Yeah, every, every, everyone's just like, who the fuck was he? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I would have Kate Mulgrew back on is the yeah. ship's lunch lady. Oh, that would be excellent. So she's just sitting there like, oh, I got you all some cookies. And they're like, hey, would you like some coffee? And they're, you know, just sweet little old lady. But then when the ship gets boarded, she takes out a rolling pin and she's like, it's time to kill some motherfuckers. And they're like, oh, God, <laughs> Ethel's angry. Oh, man. Yeah. Are you yeah. saying we can write better things than Seth MacFarlane? No, I'm not saying that. Because <laughs> they won't make what we want. No, they won't do that. 
And I'm sure that he has trouble getting people to do things. No, I'm, I'm, it's it's all compromise. Yeah. No, you never get to see what people really want to do. Yeah, I can only imagine what he'd want to do. Yeah, which would be a lot of fart jokes. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's go to the next question. Hey, Tex, Monday of the Black Pants Legion here. Um, you know, one of the things that's always fascinating me about the Baltech universe is the idea of Lost Tech. Oh. And I'm not really talking about Lost Tech in terms of like old forgotten mechs or anything like that. I'm talking about like things like things that we kind of take for granted today that we don't have like 3,000, well, or 1,000 years in the future. Uh, one of the things that brought this to mind was thinking back on an old podcast I used to listen to. It used to be a running joke that one, uh, famous piece of lost tech was a collapsible cup that every time you came across a collapsible cup that was lost tech anyways so it got me thinking i was wondering what is your most interesting favorite or strangest piece of lost tech you've come across in all your research and that's he that, ran out of ran out of time that's fine uh, that, that's a, that's an interesting question I, I think the most interesting thing with Lost Tech is where you they lose all the really good neuro helmets and they lose all the really good cooling jackets. So you get the 1980s Mech Warrior look where it's like, I got a motorcycle helmet or, and, and fucking short shorts and a yeah. mesh shirt because I'm going to sweat my balls off. And I'm going to pilot this 200-ton mech with the joystick. Yeah, it's like, no pants needed. <laughs> and I, I love that sort of thing of... Or, or the guy with the giant, like, um, the diving bell style yes. neuro helmet. We're like, we got neuro helmet we at home. Neuro helmet neuro, at home. Yeah, just <laughs> ooh. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I know that's dumb, but I love that. I, that's like my favorite piece of Lost Tech. It, it really is. That or the SDS system, which no one's replicated, mm. which I, I go over in Exodus to. Well, a little bit in Exodus to Elementals, but mainly in the Amera Civil War. That, that was like Star League's ultimate fuck you stick is like the the this super Star Wars defense system that can just make a death zone of a planet. Yeah, I uh, I remember when we went over the, uh, I don't know if we did this on podcast or if it was like a live stream, but we went over the weapons of the infantry of Battletech that was written in the 80s. And they made lasers that have like car batteries that only last for like two hours, and and we're we're like in the future with phones that can last for like like how long like three or four days. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get out my handgun. It's charging. You better move. Yeah. Oh, and it has the it has horrible range. Like it has more less range than a conventional weapon. It, it's it's like the equivalent of a cigarette lighter. You're yeah. just like, hold on, I set it to warm. <laughs> it's gonna get itchy in a minute. <laughs> yeah, those were pretty bad. I they were. I think they were like. This is great coffee. Yeah, I I think they were like. You uh, got the last cup, bud. Thank you. They just wanted something cool and lasers. Like everything in the eighties was just all like what, Dude, what sounds I, cool. Right I now. here's one I want. I I want to get with Mister Welch because he was alive then and can appreciate it. I think we should absolutely do a retro future sci-fi setting for role-playing games that is just absolutely nineteen eighties. Like yeah. like like just Liberty spikes in space, fucking all attitude style and crazy. Heavy metal on tape driving through space. A mix of Traveler, a mix of Cyberpunk, a mix of Shadowrun, a mix of Battletech. And just have it be 
fucking Spinal Tap yeah. <laughs> meets, meets Space I, Adventure. Cowboy Bebop, the RPG. Oh, that would be nice. I, I was going to suggest that there is a there is a religion, very much like you have Paylor from D&D, right? Yeah. It's a religion that's based around a god, and that god is David Bowie. <laughs> so so and and okay. I'm a st- so so uh, it's kind of like you know how in in the Elder Scrolls when you go to talk to a Daedra they'll like show up and be like hey do this quest for me or whatever David Bowie won't do that he'll just show up and be like uh, like he'll be the guy like at the street vendor who gives you an apple and he he just gives you a riddle out of nowhere and then you go hold wait a minute was that who I thought it was then you turn around and it's he's gone, he's gone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you solve the riddle you don't gain insight you get an apple yeah which is i think would be in david bowie's humor circle (laughs) yeah no i mean he was the only guy weird enough to play tesla right yeah all right so the next question is from this person okay finally getting around to asking a question cool so i found the bpl through mechware like most people but a lot of the other content that you guys make has really i don't know struck a chord with me i guess like Star Trek and Tabletop, despite not really having a whole lot of experience or interest in it before this. And I'm curious what things you guys have that maybe you aren't really associated with or interested in with normally that you find yourself enjoying anyway. Also, I'd just like to say that I appreciate how much work you guys put into this, including the podcast. And the podcast really helped me while I was laid off to just keep my mind in a good place and my mood's up so i appreciate all the work and all the different people who come onto your podcast and i hope it keeps going oh thank you um you have to understand that i i have a lot of weird stuff that i like no matter what and it it's stuff like space station 13 before all the streamers and everything needed a niche game to you know rehash their popularity or share and who cares what happens to the community? I discovered this indie game before people started putting that feather in their cap. I love Space Station 13. Now that those people have lost interest and managed to dump a lot of shitters onto the community, I still love Space Station 13. I loved Dwarf Fortress before it started getting popular with people who said, wow, there's a game that these guys have worked on for 20 years. I've, I've loved that too. And I'll love it long after those people have moved on to the next Kotaku clickbait article. I love weird stuff that's made with passion and is intricate and autistic. And I love it. And I'm not ashamed of the time I've spent in it either. Because I've played Space Station 13 for 12 years. I've played Dwarf Fortress for like 14. I still suck at both. But it's a game where I can keep going back and getting into stuff. I I have a lot of things I like like that. Just small little intricate things that I can keep coming back to. It's, it's, It's why I keep telling people to not go out and buy a game a month. And not go out and back, you know, early access crap that is like... Oh yeah, this this is gonna be that this is gonna be that game that's gonna blah 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 blah. And it no, it won't be. In fact, I I almost guarantee you it's gonna be crap. A lot of these games are. Go play something that's been around for a while. Go play something that doesn't cost a dollar. It just requires your time. Sorry, had to get on that soapbox. No, that was good. I uh I I would say mine is uh, probably uh, JRPGs. Uh, despite the fact that I have a problem with 
almost every story that they tell. Yeah, it's a lot of weird exposition for no reason, and I think a lot of stuff that just doesn't like. I like the battle systems. I like uh, I like some of the cute moments that people will have that just seems kind of cartoony and childish, but at the same time, somewhat charming to the game type. It kind of meshes well with it. Um, things like that. I, I enjoy that, but it's not something I would say is my like main. It's just one of those things I, I'll check it out and you know I'll give it a shot, but I'm not like an anime guy. Just never have been. Well, that's that's the problem I have with it is I, I think a lot of it just doesn't like translate well with JRPGs for me because people say, this is great. And then I start running into what I call Kojima-isms where it's just like Metal Gear Solid 4, for instance. You have this little girl frying eggs and, and it's just minutes and minutes and minutes of this intricate thing. And I go, why? Yeah, it's probably because he watched a slice of life anime and went, I got to have that in my game. It's, that's just kind of how he thinks. He just goes, I see a thing. I have to have that in my game. Well, sometimes, I saw Norman, Norman Reedus on The Walking Dead. I got to have him in my game. Well, and the thing is... And nothing against Norman Reedus. I mean, I fucking, he's cool as shit. It's just... No, no. It's, I just it's, point out, Kojima seems to look at shit and go, I got to have that in my game. Well, if you if you do it right, it's not bad. Like, you know, Metal Gear Solid 3 is a Bond film. Yeah, and, he saw Bond films and he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he he did a really good job. But the rest of it is just like, stop. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think Metal Gear Solid 1 suffered from that very much. Well, it, it was very much 80s. He liked 80s action movies like Escape from L.A. And, yeah. Or yeah, but he, he, did, he did well at that. Yeah. All, all, uh, you know, a- absolutely all. I, I, I would say one and three. I don't, I, I don't particularly dislike two. I just don't want. Like I played it one enough as a kid, and I was like, eh, because when that came out, it was like two thousand one. Tells yeah, yeah I, it was like right around, uh, like right around the time nine uh, eleven happened. It well, I mean, it touched on a lot of stuff. Yeah, like, it was way ahead of its time on a lot of the crazy surveillance state. Yeah, it was a cool game at the time. Shit. Yeah, I, I tried to revisit it, but I'm like, I don't really care for it that much. Well, some some games you just play once, and that's yeah. good enough. That's yeah, like, you know. But yeah, I, for me, it would be you know JRPGs every now and then. Uh, I like I like weird stuff that's in it. I, specifically, I like it when a game is you know it's got like this aesthetic that's supposed to be like very friendly and approachable, and then they go dark on you, but not in like a weird, uh, like just grotesque manner. Oh, like ju- Earthbound. Yeah, something like that. I li- like it can gro- Earthbound can get a little grotesque, but not like but immediate. it's like from a child's perspective. It's, exactly, they're not tr- they're not going like grim dark uh, fucking body yeah. horror. Uh, I don't Cthulhu. want it. No, no, it's just like yeah. I like I like stuff where it's yeah. like you know in in Breath of Fire you find out that the town mayor is part of the mafia, but you don't see that as playing as a little kid. You don't see that. It's like you just you just imagine oh this mayor's a bad guy collecting taxes because you know that's you shouldn't collect taxation's theft as you know so <laughs> <laughs> so you you do a mission where you break into his mansion and steal the taxes back and the people of town are like are you guys fucking stupid do you know who he's connected to and we're like yeah we're heroes basically like I, I feel like it's trailer yeah, it's park no, yeah, it's no big deal <laughs> it's no big deal I mean basically we just broke in and stole his money I mean yeah and then you can we have fought a bunch of, of ghosts yeah, and yeah, stuff I mean but we can deal with that and then Why they not? send yeah. hitmen to your fucking little house in the woods and they burn it down and kill your friends which is fucking like I, I was like I have a lot of respect for that a game that goes out of its way to make you feel like 
a little kid like point of view and then it's just like no the world is fucked up you're fine it's just you know from that perspective i don't want it to be grotesque i just like that kind of thing that's that's where i'm coming from where you go what I, I mean i think the only major interests i have that hasn't that isn't in content and i have almost all of them because like the goat persona is you know what what my interests are outside of my professional life um dominions the probably the most intricate strategy game out there mm. right now um basically it's uh you have all these nations based off of uh different you know ancient mythologies and uh, the the premise is the Pantocrator, which is like the the over god of the pantheon, who ruled the world, uh, has disappeared suddenly, and now all these lesser deities, uh, well, all these lesser greater myth- mythology figures like giants and dragons and very powerful dick wizards, are taking on the mantle of pretender gods and trying to lead their nations to you know uh, for supremacy. So it it has hundreds of different units it has this uh, spell system that's very very comprehensive there's all kinds of weird strategies and uh, and paths you can take to win um, but I think the reason that in- it interests me isn't so much all the mechanical depth because uh, I'm not I can't really wrap my head around that but also because it's uh, it's a good application of like political science and game theory as well because it's not so much as, you know, how much can I, uh, how good is my grand strategy in terms of like optimizing units and shit. That's a factor, but it's also there's also the diplomatic section too when you're playing multiplayer. You have to make deals with people to gang up on people that you perceive as a threat. You need to be able to reduce your threat presentation to other people. You need to avoid security dilemmas as much as you can. You need to because oftentimes you'll just win by. Just convincing everyone, oh, no, no, you know, you're not, uh, here, let's let's work together and take down this guy who's, you know, banging in on your territory. And then you go in and you, you know, you sneak in a, a, a last minute victory. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, it's just finding people to play that with that aren't randos from VG is difficult. <laughs> randos and also just very good at it. We, yeah. Is that's always but a it's, it's killer. Also, well, I mean, the main killer isn't just that they're really good. It's just it's also that they see that it's going against them and they'll drop and then the AI takes over. And the AI is once you know the basics of the game is very, it's basically over. You can take them out super easily. Yeah, those people are uh, what? Are, what are they? Losers. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember <laughs> back in the day I used to play Sins of a Solar Empire, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was playing in a random game just testing what I thought were my strategies. And um, I was the only guy left on my team because everyone else, like you said, as soon as the things turned and it was going to get hard, people dropped. So it was three versus me. And I was like, okay, I'm digging in. And I'm playing the TEC. I have a super awesome defensive doctrine. And I'm like, Let's fucking do this. And I'm like digging in. I'm just making every fucking planet a meat grinder. And I'm like, I'm going to see how long I can last. And all the other players start messaging me. And they're like, you should quit. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's going to take you. <laughs> I mean, but you're I know. to play the game, yeah, fucko. Yeah. So they all started threatening me saying, well, we'll make sure you don't get invited to tourneys or anything like that because this is poor sportsmanship. And I was like, fuck you. I'm defensive. Bring it. 
And so I fought them for like four hours till they all quit. <laughs> and they started getting really mad. They were leaving all these nasty grams on Stardock. And I was like, what the fuck? And they were like, this guy's the worst player. And I'm like, I just wanted to play a game. You play you played the game how I play Monopoly. Own a own a property on every single color if you can. Just own one and never sell. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it will go on forever until they quit. Well, it is the worst stalemate. It's the it's the most like if you're okay online, it's a different story. Fuck that. If you're online and and somebody wants to play defensive, do what you can to win. But when you're playing Monopoly in person, you you, you got to be careful because they, well, they yeah. can punch you in the face. Well, right. One of the things I've really learned, which is which is pretty fucking funny, when when the tables get turned and and someone wants to come after me in a game, I just said, "Do you know what the definition of ruthless is?" And they go, "Well, yeah, it's just being mean to." No, I said, "No, no, no, no. Ruthless is seeing like." Here I am where I am now, and there is my objective, and it is seeing the direct line between that regardless of consequences. That is what ruthless is. I'm going to play this in a ruthless manner. So when someone's like, hey, yeah, let's do a versus, okay, I am not going to be friendly. If you, if you want to be competitive, I will be hyper competitive. I'd rather not play games like that because I used to play StarCraft competitive, and it's just one of those things of like, if you really want to swing dank, I'll do that. But I'd rather play a cooperative game, you know? God, yeah. we've really gotten off track. No I, no, no, I was going to say it. it, it I, just one of the reasons I don't do competitive. I, I uh, was not a very nice person when I was, and I, I don't look back at that as something well, right, I want to ever revisit. Right, right, right. That's, that is exactly the point. Is it's like I like I, having friends. Yeah, I'd, I, I'd rather yeah. not be a dick. I'd rather just play the game. Yeah. Oh God! Imagine if you were a MOBA. Anyway, um, but to get back on track, I mean, the other main interests that I have that I guess don't come up very much in any of the content I'm I've put out or been in is uh, politics and history uh, and business. It's what I have. It's what my education. Yeah, you is. have poli sci, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what my education is. I still feel like it's very rudimentary. I know enough. I know just enough to know how huge of a gulf of knowledge there is uh, for me to get into um, and I don't always have the time or the interest to invest in it but that's the other that's that's the other main passion I have no oh, that's nice mm-hmm. sometimes you uh you gotta break off a chip of that iceberg to know how big it is yeah oh yeah I can only imagine all right let's go to the next question uh from whoever this is Hello, Texan Company. My name is Jacob Mon. I've been a fan of uh, your uh, Black Pants Legion for about a year and a half now. I think one of the first videos I saw was one of your uh, MechWare Online uh, Kingdom of Madness uh, stream highlight videos. Oh, which yeah. I've been a fan of your Battletech content ever since. Um, just uh, just wanted to ask you two, uh, two things. Uh, one, what is your favorite Hunter x Hunter text? Uh, uh, two, uh, what how does one join the black pants legion um if i've been really i'd really be interested in getting involved in such a such a community of crazies uh but um yeah if uh if it's a closed off community that that's fine too still love your content still continue being a fan but that's um anyway uh, thanks and uh, thanks for your time um, my favorite hundred hundred ton mech is probably the king crab or the Atlas. But uh, well, you know, if and if you want to join the Black Pants Legion, all you have to do is really. Pay- yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I mean that all that that made sense to me. All right, so here is the next 
person. Guys, I hope the podcast is going really well. I hope everybody's having a good time. I have a quick question because you guys are just talking about the Daredevil uh, hallway scene, and it reminded me of the movie Old Boys or Old Boy. It's one of it's it's either boys or boy, but it's um, I believe it's a Korean movie that is fantastic. And if you haven't watched it yet, uh, I'd highly recommend going to watch it. But if you have watched it, would you care to share some of your thoughts, feelings, dislikes about the movie? Yeah. Uh, I, I know it's the movie is definitely not for everyone. Um, I think it has some very uh, whew, interesting subject matter. But either way, um, uh, I'm really enjoying the podcast, guys. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this. It's awesome. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, anyway, that's the luck to you guys. And oh, that's my go time. Is that a firefighter? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that's that's excellent. That or it's the loudest toaster oven <laughs> in the world. Clang! Oh, my biscuits. Um, <laughs> I'm a fire hazard. Uh, I've heard of Old Boy. I haven't actually seen it yet. Never seen it. So, well, that's, yeah. yeah. Koreans, the Koreans know how to make some really they top do. quality they, films, They actually man. know how to make some really inventive stuff because they're, they're outside of Hollywood, so they can just do whatever the fuck they want. And, and it's high quality. Yeah. It's it's really high quality. They they know how to. So yeah, I haven't, but maybe. We'll uh, see. yeah. As far as the fight scene in Daredevil, yeah, that's that first season of Daredevil is probably their best season. And then everything people else can is, di- you can yeah. disagree with that all you want to. You can say, oh, second season, no, second season's not good. Uh, it's it's okay if you're inter- if you're into comic book stuff, it's probably made for you. But you know, watching it outside from an outsider's perspective, the first season is just solid. Uh, I don't. I we haven't watched the third season together yet. So, well, all right, next. <laughs> you, you're gonna leave me hanging there. I'm sorry. Damn. It's, it's it's like it, Daredevil. Like the first season, uh, great, and then it, they made the Punisher boring, and I was yeah. like, how? <laughs> <laughs> like the Punisher should just be action movie tropes, and it's they made the Punisher boring. Yeah. Yeah, there are people who like that, though. And when he just doesn't do Punisher shit? He does Punisher shit, but it's boring. It's, it's like, just, uh, walk up to the guy and shoot him. I kill people because I'm the Punisher. It's like they, they... Don't do that or I'll punch you. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, what? No, I think what happened was in the second season, they're like, we have to turn the violence down. But then we had the Punisher in there, and it's like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's the same problem. I think Netflix just has they they have sequel problems. Yeah, well, it's 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 hard. they can't make a second season. It's hard. It is it is hard to do a good thing consistently well. Yeah, you know you know what I mean. Like if if you make breakfast, really good breakfast, you make a really good breakfast, and you go, man, I made a really good breakfast, and then you'll have some friends over, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna make really good breakfast, and you make okay breakfast. And you're like, no, I can make better. And you could try and cook yeah, and bacon okay. all day. You know what I mean? It's it's just, sometimes it's hard to do things really well consistently. It's yeah. it's easy to do okay all the time. All right. Next question from this person. Hello, everyone. My name is Christopher from Ontario, Canada. I have a few questions here. First one is in regards to MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries. I actually really enjoyed that game. Have about 200 hours so far in it. The same as uh, HBS's Battletech. Um, Have any of you played it? What did you think of the overall plot? uh, And what would you change? Or if any of you have read the novella that was released, what did you think of that story? And what would you change? My next question is, if George Ledoux could make a commentary 
on any world event in a Duncan Fisher shitpost style, what event would you choose? And uh, my last question, I th- I think it's it's Mike. I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but can I get a return of Dr. Glock? That was fucking hilarious. I'm a massive fan. You're doing a phenomenal job with the podcast. And uh, thank you so much for all the content on YouTube. It makes the year a little bit better. Well, thank you for yeah. saying so. And I, I can definitely tell you're Canadian because it, it, it's a boot. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No, no, no. I, I love their accents. It, it actually has difference. It, you know, it's when, when you hear the same way pronounced a hundred times, it gets boring. But no, um, did not. I, I bought MechWarrior 5 originally when there was a pre-order. Now it's supposed to get a Steam key, and then they did a switcheroo. And I predicted how it was going to turn out, and it turned out exactly the way I said. So I've not bought it yet. It was supposed to come out again on Steam on the 10th of December. They said no because they didn't want to get threatened by Cyberpunk because Cyberpunk came out and was the These game of the year. These people are weak as fuck. It was the game of the year. The game of the year. It was the game of the year because it was so good and perfect when it came out. There was nothing missing at all and no problems. <sighs> These people are weak. Yeah. No, so they, weak. That they, is like a weak move. It is. They, they, they have no spine and yeah. I think almost no money. So anyways, um, <laughs> I've, I had, I've Didn't no, it get bought out actually? I don't know, and I don't care. I just, I just, yeah. I just want it to come out on Steam so people start modding the shit out. Of as that's, far as that's all I want. Yeah, as far as Duncan Fisher narrating any uh, world events, what do you guys think? Jihad. He, he'd be like rocks fall and everyone dies. No world Man. event, real life. Oh, real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out you can't wear a face mask despite me telling you to. Now you're all sick. <laughs> I hope you die. 1929 <laughs> stock crash. Oh, the stock crash. Yeah, would have been Black, a- Black Monday. Remember that paper you bet your future on? Well, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought a car for, I just bought a new car for cash. Hey, the Sears catalog sells machine guns. <laughs> I'm going to go to the hardware store and buy some dynamite. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah, I it, got a stump to remove, and by stump I mean some god. <laughs> I mean the bank that took my money, and so yeah, it's. Whew, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be fun. No, but I mean, God, him with the COVID thing would be hilarious. He'd be like, be like, who knew that washing your hands was so hard? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait! Duncan Fisher does the the Doctor Breen cast from Half Life Two. Welcome to City 17. Oh, oh my God. A Duncan, a Duncan <laughs> Fisher cut of Half-Life 2 would be hilarious. <laughs> Make sure you drink the water. So these aliens walking around, turns out they're pretty cool guy. And then you hear an electrode. Yeah. And then he's like, fine, I won't mention the probes. <laughs> uh, that would be good. Some of you are kind of concerned uh, that suppression field makes you not want to bum buglies anymore. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> no more questions. Um, uh, He's like, that's because they're paying me in actual food, which is something you don't get, and I do because I'm the leader. What's that? I shouldn't. Okay, I apologize. That seemed a little insensitive. It was a little insensitive. As but he burps, I don't care He's like, "Ooh, that pizza I'm... was good." <laughs> He's like, "They still make DiGiorno." <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, and as far as Dot Clock, yeah. I I'll have to get with Gypsy. Uh, thanks for reminding me. I'll, I'll ask Gypsy if uh, he's doing another fire team whiskey that needs it, and I will record one. I I can. I I'm pretty good at screaming. So where's that? Anyway, 
Next question. Hi, Texan friends. Uh, this is Oscar from Poland. I've been thinking about Dungeons and Dragons and the human race in Dungeons and Dragons and how uh, they are said to be like the most common race, but to be because of their general nature. But I don't think that's well represented in the base uh, character traits that come from being a human in Dungeons and Dragons. Like the best they get is like a well-rounded uh, stat block increase, and there is nothing in their traits that uh, represents how adaptable the humans are. And I would like to ask, how would you explain how the humans got so widespread in uh, your world, hmm. or in the medieval Dungeons and Dragons world? And how would you make them playing as humans more interesting? Make make All your right. role playing as humans more interesting. Well, I think the adaptability is represented that you can put a plus two in any stat. I Well, here's the thing. I think adaptability is definitely the human thing, mm -hmm. and that's because short lifespan. Because yeah. if you, and, and this is one thing that D&D &D doesn't do well, is D&D is like, old people are 70. I'm like, this is a medieval setting. Old people is 30. Nah, <laughs> so, old people is like 50. Well, yeah, but I, I, I mean in terms of like, Holy shit, our elder to the village? You know, hey, this guy's. We're under attack by bugbears again. How do people live to 50 with that? Yeah, I'm saying <laughs> average person. So Grandpa ain't running that far, I'll tell you that much. Right. So it's 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 like 30, 40 years old. You're you could die anytime. You should be expecting death. And so the rapid learning of skills would be an XP increase or an extra level. Or I would think uh, plus two to any stat indicating, you know, that sort of thing. Humans have short lifespans, but we breed prodigiously. Humans yeah, I was just about to say. huge sex drive. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when all the other races, you know, oh, they're dying out. It's like, yeah, because they... They have kids once a century. They're being outcompeted by humans, same way that Neanderthals were by Homo yeah. sapiens. Yeah, that, that's just what we do. So, yeah, no, I was gonna say that's that's exactly what I was. That's the point I was gonna make. Was like, yeah, humans, fuck, man. They I'd just say, uh, ev everywhere and anywhere. Like it, it all the other races. Are, <laughs> no, you know, I was gonna say like everyone will be like, oh, those those elves are disgusting, and and or or uh, you know. Any of the beast races are like, ugh, they were they mate? That's gross. But humans were like, yeah, I'll throw down on this fucking washing machine. Like, we I mean, like we're the most fucking judgmental ass race, and we talk about we talk shit about every other race, but we're like willing to go like, I haven't done it in I'd a barn still, yet. But man, I'd still, <laughs> well, no, but I'd but, still hit it if I could. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's the human adaptability. Yeah. Because yeah. think about it, our natural inclination. You see this now in nerd groups where it's like. Oh, yeah, well, Monster GF, you know, or whatever, win. No, that's human adaptability because mm -hmm. you'd go, I live in a mountainous area. My ancestors are, or, you know, my future spawn is probably going to live here. Well, I need to fuck those dwarves because <laughs> I need to have kids. Oh, I got to fuck them dwarves. No, that's, <laughs> They're that's, just the right height. <laughs> no, but that's, that's the natural inclination yeah. Yeah. because it's, I want them to have genes that allow them to do better here. Oh. I know how but, we can represent that. Yeah. Not through a stat thing or an extra level thing, because extra level, extra XP, XP is hard to balance. Family connections yes. everywhere. Yes. It, or or even better, the question of half blood. Mm -hmm. That's that's a human trait, because yeah. humans interbreed with everything. If you take a genetics test, it's not like, you're Indo-European. You have been Indo-European for a thousand generations. It's like, no, you're... 
20% this and 10% that. And it's yeah. because that's human nature. You give them a bunch of options. Like, yeah. oh, it's not just human. It's like, oh, you're, um, you yeah, know, you have a fey bloodline. Yeah, or- you're like 132nd fey, 116th elf. And it, it just shows that's that's human nature is yeah. interbreeding adaptability i, I yeah it, it wouldn't sell books unfortunately people are very prudish on that uh it's it's like you, you know how people say like sex sells but you try to do that with D and you're just gonna get a lot of well, very no, angry it's, people it's the reason they're prudish is because it's like magical a, realm problem yeah it's it's if, if you guys don't know about enter my magical realm <laughs> dare you enter my magical realm just go dare you enter my magical realm comic and you'll see that sums up the weirdness of D and D because well, sex can be discussed in D and D and in role playing games in a very mature way but it's usually not it's usually by a neckbeard who couldn't describe what a woman looks like without clothes on without the assistance of a google browser well and also the issue you know, with like forgotten realms that nobody likes to talk about where it's like uh uh recreational incest is common and like town-wide well, orgies are a thing well yeah especially it, it's it's a medieval setting with gods of pleasure what do you think is going on life is short fucking enjoy that shit so the thing is is that yeah human adaptability is just going to come down to breeding, and that's that's what humans do. They would yeah. just automatically go out and be like, "Well, this is near the trees." Well, well breeding the- and colonization, because exactly. if it's just breeding and they're in one place, and it becomes like you know Congo. No, no, I I uh, agree. You, you're you're getting it. Just up. becomes like who ordered all these extra chromosomes over here? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, <laughs> no. But <laughs> <laughs> my racial ability is I have more chromosomes than you. <laughs> but no, what I'm saying is that is exactly what it would be is you would end up with i mean you really would end up with a a wide variety of humans yeah not just this is human comma vanilla yeah no it wouldn't be human comma color it would be the people of this place have interbred with these people more common than not Um, that's too hard no i i think that's fucking brilliant because if if you found this is a great this would be a great like question for mr welch yeah no absolutely he would he would have a great opinion can we get mr welch on one of these one of these days if we can nail him down he's he's a he's a very busy man no but seriously i'd love to get mr welch on this because this this is one of those things where you you add layers to a setting where it's like it's not just elf comma water elf comma woods it's like no this is a people with a unique sort of genetic heritage and a unique sort of culture and a unique language it's not just elven we you, you see text that takes writing skill and oh no creativity i know elf comma dwarf i'm a stand-up comedian <laughs> And he's just doing that the whole game. I could make a lot of cursed characters. Next, <laughs> <laughs> this will be the last question, and then after that, I think we're uh, I think we're pretty yeah. good. We still have a lot more questions to go through, but this we got through a big chunk here. Big chungus. All right, let's see what this next question is. Hello, whoever's on the uh, podcast. I have a quick question. Uh, what do you think would be the funniest thing you've ever seen happen to you in a tabletop gaming anywhere? This is a true sign off. All right. Um, funniest thing I ever saw. Uh, it was it was probably in a Dark Heresy game. Um, I played a character that I've 
played for years, and I even played in one of Goat's games, um, Fair Me, just tech priest, crazy tech priest, and and just destruction machine. All he does is break stuff, and he's really good at it. And just just a, a god of entropy and destruction, and, and just walking psychopath. <laughs> and so we were in this fight. In this in this big open air souk, like a big open air market, where you've got all the fineries from all these alien worlds on this border planet. So there's you know spices from alien wilds and rare silver and jewelry and all sorts of things from all these trinkets from beyond the imperial rim. And and uh, we got in this fight with these assassins who had like Eldar flip belts and they were like running up the walls and, you know, anti-gravity flipping in midair and nobody could shoot them. And so my character does this flying crazy uppercut and I just fucking crit it and I have a power fist and I just belt this guy and he dies, but he's still got the flip belt on. So I just uppercut him and the flip belt's still on. The DM says he just takes off into the sky until he's a distance. <laughs> so the Adeptus Arbites show up and this, they, they roll in as everyone's running out of the market because this huge gunfight happened. And they see me just uppercut a guy into the atmosphere. And they're like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing. Nothing is the matter. And then a few sessions later... The DM sa- says, um, roll dodge out of nowhere, and we roll dodge, and this body comes screaming out of the sky and hits the pavement and explodes, and it's frozen and decomposed, and <laughs> had that flip belt on it. Oh, So, man. like, it floated up in the atmosphere till the power yeah, he died. Did a, he did a brick joke. Yeah, and just pop, and we all just started laughing, and it was, it was just, yeah, I love callbacks like that. Not not the funniest ever because that's a lot of those would just be like you had to be there things. Uh, but here's one that happened when I ran uh, some Shadowrun 5e uh, earlier this week. Um, the party was infiltrating this call center run by Ares. So the hacker was in the car. And everyone else was going in as, as job interviewees. Uh, well, you know, cut a long story short, the put in a little tap so the hacker could access the system and this being a kind of min-max hacker he took over everything <laughs> at one point uh the one of the characters who's like this very punk neo-anarchist scud the system guy uh decides to cause a distraction so he can go in and try to swipe uh, a genetically modified banana that was one of their objectives to retrieve that so he goes into the kitchen the break room kitchen and he it's not there but he sees, but he sees there's a bunch of other food. So he, first of all, he takes a real turkey sandwich. Yeah. Because you know it's not every day he can find one of those living in the barrens, and he puts it in his pocket, and no wrapper or anything, just you know. And then he finds there's this, he asks me, okay, is there anything really stinky that I can put in the microwave and nuke? Like how? <laughs> oh, and so, and he rolls oh, edge. He pulls out a water. It's like yeah, there's like a, a fish casserole right on so he takes it and he just like gordon freeman half-life one sticks it in there and sets it to nuke the hacker manages to spike the power level the power input into the microwave to make it basically explode um so one of the it guys um realizes that um like there was a hidden sensor in it and the it guy's like hey who who took my fish casserole and he smells it and he starts freaking out um, so then the face decides to, uh, uh you know, cause he has like his augmented, his AR heads up display stuff. 
uh, the face and the hacker start putting messages like, you know, get back to work. You know, this much money is being deducted from your payroll and it's just like a counter that's going up. The guy flips out because his manager is also yelling at him to, you know, he's causing a scene. Uh, this being an Ares employee, he pulls out his his gun and he, you know, just uh, a roll composure. He glitches it. He loses his shit. He starts an office spree shooting. The rest, the face, then uh, the face, then broadcasts over the PA like a bunch of like anti-corporate, like you know, rise up against your masters, causing a riot. Uh, and then the hacker <laughs> matches into the IT guys, calm, and basically says, "Jerry, you are now. You need to flee the system. You are being persecuted. Do exactly as I tell you, and you will get out of this alive." And the player was doing a, a way better, like distorted, you know, hacker man voice. Uh, and they just guide the guy out, completely unrelated to the mission. They just guide him out of the system, like erasing him from the guards' camera feeds, uh, jamming the guards' guns, you know, deleting him from the footage and their records. Uh, oh, and then the punk guy, uh, while while this office pre-shooting is happening, he's just sitting in the in the bathroom eating his turkey sandwich, like uh, that one scene from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And then he walks up to the counter uh, where the admin assistant is working and taking cover from all the bullets flying. He says, "Oh yeah, I'm. Fr- I came in from corporate. I need like the. I need the data real quick." And uh, he aces the roll. And he's wearing this cheap fucking suit that crinkles like it's a you know bright yellow polyester suit because that's what he could afford. And and the guy buys it and just downloads all of the data for him, gives it to him, and they all walk out. And they have a new contact uh, who, you know, has a, a warrant for his arrest for murder. Uh, but, you know, he's in the Barrens. The cops aren't going there. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to the Yeah, Barons. so they, we did, we captured the essence of Shadowrun a lot better than I felt we did in the previous campaign. Because it wasn't just super criminals do the thing and they get paid. No, it was like create these crazy ragtag up jug up jumped punks with a promise and a pistol go in and they do the job but they also fuck over the system in any way they can that's how it should be yeah they got a bunch of street cred for that nice uh i think the well this uh, there's a lot of really good moments that i've had i because i'm still relatively new uh but i think uh in vampire when i went to go meet (laughs) i went to go meet the meatball my character was very dumb uh, I was I was playing a guy uh, who basically uh, Richard Hawk is yeah. his name. Yeah, well, because he didn't know what he wasn't like. Uh, he was a shovel head. Yeah, he was. And for those of you who don't know what that is, basically uh, these crazy uh, like jihadi vampires just like knocked them. Not literally jihad, nothing to do with Islam. Just like militant doomsday apocalypse cultist vampires just hit him over the head with a shovel and turned him into a vampire and put him in a shallow grave so he'd dig himself out and go and kill a bunch of shit yeah so fast forward after my character yeah. bumbling through that he's barely not, explained he barely knows what a vampire is even though do. even though he was supposed to have gained all this knowledge no no that that's one part the other yeah, I that gotta, was that was later that was after you met the meatball yeah so i meet the meatball and he's like the, the character playing the meatball is like yeah, I have this. Uh, I have this thing. I'm gonna. He's doing the yeah. voice perfectly. Yeah, he's this and big, I'm like, fat mafioso guy. And my and my guy just. And I'm like, yeah, my guy is like, please have a seat. And my guy, I'm like, yeah, my guy sits on the floor and looks up at him. Yeah, and he's, you're calling him your <laughs> Majesty. Yeah, I kept calling. I'm like, well, you see, your Majesty. Uh, I'm still kind of new to all this. Yeah, and I'm not supposed to be talking. <laughs> Yeah, and so I just kept doing this, and the cat guy playing the voice was losing it because he didn't like. He was like, "Is this guy fucking retarded or something?" <laughs> but the bit. best, my best moment with Goat 
Yeah. Is when, oh my God. Yeah. When, the, when the prophet Ezekiel, when the goat was playing the super serious, the prophet Ezekiel. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. By all. yeah. 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 And, and I was like playing that up. As yeah. Well. He was being like, and I could see all of the future and know all the knowledges and all this other stuff. Yeah. And my character's like, oh, hey man, we get those caramel guys and we just melt them down. Yeah. And, and goat, <laughs> goat stopped. He stopped <laughs> DMing for like a solid 35 seconds. He went, I'm in character goes, I'm sorry, what? He's like, somehow you, this guy has the knowledge of so much shit and somehow you confused him. Yes. You successfully confused one of the most all-knowing characters I've made. And you, you should have been able, <laughs> yeah, and you, and you, not only an, an all-knowing character, but one who's also clinically insane. Yeah. And dude. I made him go, what? Yeah, because yeah. he, he can, he knows insanity. He knows man. He doesn't know dumb. Yeah, no, that was just <laughs> one of the one of the things I will. But <laughs> the camarilla, and I, and I, and the caramels. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we get, yeah. I was supposed to say the caram, uh, camarilla guys. Yeah, but I'm like, caramels. We'll just melt them. Yeah, we'll just melt them caramel guys, man. It'll be super easy. And that's when he was like, "What are you talking about, caramel guys?" He's like, "Oh, the camera." Like he he had this moment of like, I can't believe how fucking yeah. stupid he, he, he had is. to he had to code switch <laughs> to retard speak. My my yeah. favorite. My it was abs- good. No, I I would say. The, the other one w- that Goat was there for before we end this podcast. Okay. Goat sent the scene for Stagger's speech, and then I will try to describe it. Oh, uh, so, all right. So the so, party's. So the, yeah, just say where the party is. Yeah, yeah. The so the it. party. So the setup is the party's uh, joined an arena tournament. Yes, I did a tournament arc for my game, uh, like an anime. Um, yeah, but they're they're going in as gladiators on this pleasure world, and the next gimmick fight is they're reenacting the Battle for Hell's Reach, where Battle for Hell's Reach is when like a couple of Black Templar Space Marines and like a couple of like maybe a couple companies of Guardsmen hold off an entire city, uh, um, an entire army of orcs trying to take over this port town, and there's this famous speech that the Space Marine gives to the Guardsmen. And it's credited with raising the morale, making them fight hard enough to turn back the tide. So the players being like famous gladiators at this point are being, they're playing the part of these space Marines. And I ask, okay, who, which one of you guys wants to be the one who's, uh, you know, the, the main space Marine Grimaldus who's giving the speech and stagger volunteers. All right. So, so stagger volunteers, stagger is playing Grimaldus. Stagger has, Okay, Lepros was not a smart person. Lepros being the character name. Yeah, Lepro Stagger played Lepros Stark Sark Sark Sark. Who, not a smart person. Not a smart person at all. Um, the the it was like he was dumber than an orc. Yes, and he played him like Jack Black the psyker. So he was just like, yeah, man, let's go do the whatever. And so he's got a fanny pack of cigarettes is his character's <laughs> constant companion. And he has a fucking psyker cyber bird that smokes. And and he is just this cartoon character of a psyker who's just like, yeah, man, it's no big deal. Just a fucking little bit of psychic phenomena. Yeah, it's just, just, just some demons. Yeah, we, just we can, complete. Kill just imagine Jack Black as a psyker. He's like, shabam, blow you up, man. Just fucking lazy laid back weird school of rock guy and he has to do the speech stagger has had a few drinks 
and by and, by by midwestern by by like, by, by midwestern standards yeah. upper midwestern st- during those, the winter winter upper midwestern standards you people who live there are gonna go oh no yeah i know what that means <laughs> so he's in his cubs and he starts this speech goat has given him the yeah. whole speech to read and so Goat describes all the servo skulls with all the yeah, fucking cameras. Or, and they, they want a the, distraction because they want to like do some shit during the fight. So Stagger opens his mouth and all we can remember, all we can agree on is the first line. Gentlemen, tonight we dine in concrete. And the rest of it was a smattering of Henry V, some Macbeth, <laughs> a little bit of the St. Crispin's Day speech, some parables from the Bible, drunken rambling and ranting about not giving up, some of the paraphrase Grimalda speech, and we were all laughing so hard we couldn't breathe. We couldn't we couldn't we, record it. We couldn't none of us could think of recording it. It was 5 minutes of alcohol driven gibberish. And it was and it, majestic. And it spellbound us like any it, great yeah. speech, like Alexander the Great. It was. It, we can't. It, it's like that. It's like the Tenacious D song tribute. We yes. don't know what that sounded like anymore. We it, it scrambled our brains. None of us can remember clearly just how it started, and it went downhill from there. And it was the greatest fucking thing I have ever heard in tabletop. <laughs> and I, I was like the people who were there can kind of remember some of it but all we can remember is how it started gentlemen tonight we dine in concrete and then the rest of it is just insanity if you took all the great speeches of history put it in a blender and then poured like gin over it that is what it would sound like it was madness but it was perfection inspired it was inspired perfection and it was the greatest thing ever for me that was great Anyways, if you want to leave a message, uh, you can go to anchor.fm and you can leave a message there. We still have quite a few to go through, so if you haven't heard your question yet, don't worry. We Just be patient. We'll get no there. No more questions. No more questions. And unsporter your, un, unsporterize your rifles, please. 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 You'll be doing future generations a favor, and you will increase the value of it. It's a win-win.